It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Trey Gowdy, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, September 12th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. Over the weekend, we heard about some big gains made by the Ukrainian military regaining some of the ground that Russia had taken. Ukraine has been able to at least stall this Russian advance, but this war remains far from over. It's still too soon to tell. There is indication that the Russians had relocated out of the area that Ukraine now is making massive advances. And where those forces have gone, we've got to watch to see if there's a Russian offensive in the offing. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. It's been a lot of positive news out of Ukraine and more rumors of dissent out of Russia. And it turns out the Ukraine has been able to put donated American weapons to good use as they continue to fight for their freedom. It's been a remarkable uh, past few days And Ukraine armed forces, in a front that wasn't anticipated to be the main effort, was able to retake about 3,000 square kilometers of territory. We're joined today by Brent Sadler, who's a senior research fellow for Naval Warfare and Advanced Technology in the Center for National Defense at the Heritage Foundation. He's an advanced technology expert. Uh, Around the suburbs and to the east of one of their main cities, Kharkiv, and also important to point out, that that city has a very large ethnic Russian population at it. So they're actively fighting against this invasion. And not only is the Russian military pulled out of there, we've got some reports that pro-Russian nationalists are actually leaving that region too. How was Ukraine able to do this, or did Russia just give up on the region? I suspect a couple of things. I think this was months in the planning, uh, maybe not like more than several months, but certainly in the planning. And I think one of it was a deception effort. There was a, a focus in and movement of some forces and activities along the North Sea, North Black Sea coast down around Kherson uh, and make it look like that that was going to be the main effort. As Ukraine withdrew out of parts of, that were not defensible in the Donbass, I think they were waiting for the right time to have enough forces to take the opportunity they, they were given in this area off to the east of Kharkiv. Uh, so I, I really kind of attribute it right now to the Russians withdrew, thinking that they were going to be attacked elsewhere. Interesting. So, so it's like timing was the, the big key mm-hmm. in this counteroffensive for Ukraine, which obviously was successful as Russia has left that area. We've seen this before, though, with Russia conquering somewhere, Ukraine getting it back, and then Russia coming back in. What does Ukraine have to do to keep this key region of their own country as this battle rages on? I think that's the number one danger militarily to the Ukrainian armed forces is that the Russian forces that went down to Kherson, if they're able to be successful and to blunt any attacks there, those forces are going to then relocate up to uh, Kharkiv area. And so they're going to face a much larger blow in the coming weeks if they're not careful. So the key thing is to keep pressing the advantage and get to the highest ground, the most defensible ground, which unfortunately most of this part of Ukraine is very flat. So it all comes down to bridgeheads. Uh, where bridges are across the rivers and kind of working river to river uh, to kind of hold territory. And so the sooner they can get into a very defensible position, the better. The other is a political one. And there's some interesting anecdotal evidence coming out of Moscow 
that displeasure is starting to kind of percolate to dangerous levels to Putin's uh, survival. Uh, we had the arrest last week of five, or the detention of five Duma members. Three were were, were kept in arrest uh, for putting forward a, a motion to impeach Putin because of his horrible uh, performance in Ukraine. Uh, there's also word that the Russian military is unable to meet recruitment requirements despite efforts to try to entice many Russians to join the military. So it looks like the, the politics, the domestic front, is starting to fray. And Ukraine can actually accelerate that by having more really uh, great successes on the battlefield like they've had the last few days. Yeah, and just some more evidence that this is happening with Russia, that the support for this war is starting to fray. We've uh, seen a number of normally pro-Russian blogs actually start to question Putin and question the Kremlin as, you know, this war is dragging on for a long, long time. Meanwhile, you've got the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, calling uh, retaking the Kharkiv region good news. He said in an overnight address this week, we have good news from Kharkiv region. He says, I think every citizen feels proud of our warriors, and it is a well-deserved pride. It sounds to me like Zelensky thinks this could be some sort of a turning point in the war, and it feels like it's a turning point in Ukraine's favor. Do you agree with that? I'm of mixed opinion on that. It's still too soon to tell. Uh, There is indication that the Russians had relocated out of the area that Ukraine now is making massive advances. And where those forces have gone, we've got to watch to see if there's a Russian offensive in the offing. And if the advantages or the benefits that the Ukraine armed forces have made in the last few days is actually countered by gains on the Russians somewhere else, that could make this all meaningless in the longer term and the fighting of this war. My biggest concern is that there could be an advance up uh, through Zaporizhia, which is where the nuclear power plant was, up to the north to Dnipro, which is another major city and logistics nodes for the Ukrainians. And the other possibility is that the Ukrainian efforts in Mykolaiv and towards Kherson to the west, in the southwest, if that falters and the Russians are able to turn that around, then the advances that the Ukrainians have made around Kharkiv will be, be meaningless, unfortunately. We've got an expert on the line today as this war in Ukraine rages on. We're speaking with Brett Sadler from the Heritage Foundation. He's an expert in advanced technology. And ahead, we'll take a closer look at how this naval battle is playing out on the Black Sea. More coming up after these words. Brent, your expertise is in the area of naval warfare, so let's turn to that for a moment. The Russian Black Sea Fleet was really seen as an advantage in this war, but has it been? How has this played out, especially in some of the key port cities for Ukraine? It has been a remarkable set of events. I think there's a lot of uh, naval navalists out there that are studying, most notably, the Ukrainians' ability to sink the flagship of the Black Sea, the Moscow, a cruiser, uh, several months ago. So... That is something that's going to get studied. It's forced the Russian Navy to move to the east. You're not seeing them as actively involved in moving logistics supplies near to the front lines. They're staying far away from the Ukrainian coast, as you'd expect, from their Neptune and the Harpoon missiles that, we were, that we've given to them. So what most likely we're going to see in the next few months is a, an emphasis of Russian submarines. They've got four of them there launching strike missions, launching missiles from the safety of undersea. The danger, as long as those submarines are operating in the Black Sea, is why we right now have an agreement that allows the shipment of grain and exports out of the Black Sea to market. The Russians will only honor that as long as they're making money on the deal. And right now, it's still in both parties' benefit. But once that goes away and the Russians no longer are gaining by allowing grain to go through the Black Sea, 
those submarines will come at play, and they pose a very serious threat to any commercial shipping uh, coming out of Ukraine and definitely the long-term economic safety of uh, the country of Ukraine. And not only that, they pose a threat to countries who are trying to get that Ukrainian grain. We saw reports earlier today that not all of it, though, has been going to some of these poor countries in Africa where it was intended. Do you think that is because of the economic issue here? You just mentioned Russia needs to make money off these shipments to allow them to continue. Are they saying, oh, we're going to ship this grain to a certain country, but actually sending it to a richer country that will pay more? I think there's probably a little bit of the black market trading that's going on you get the you get the grain out of the area and then it's to the highest bidder and so that's probably unfortunately what's happening the poorest countries that may have been buying grain previously at you know at a good price or had an assured uh supplier now supply is in question and now the grain goes to who can pay the most and so uh, unfortunately those countries are the ones that are going to be left without yeah absolutely and those are the ones that need it the most too Uh, Again, our guest today is Brent Sadler from the Heritage Foundation. He's an advanced technology expert. Let's talk about some of the technology here. Brent, you mentioned these Neptunes that Ukraine was using to fend off Russian ships. Are they going to be able to get rid of some of these Russian submarines that you were speaking of, or is it much more difficult? It's much more difficult, and this is where the United States needs to probably take a very uh, fresh look at some technology and capabilities it has in order to try to neutralize or to hold at risk those Russian submarines. Um, there's nothing in the Ukrainian arsenal, there's nothing in their Navy that they had even before this, this invasion in February. They don't have that capability. So this is unlike any of the other weapon systems that have been given or uh, gifted to Ukraine. They don't have this background or the training. So it's, it's going to take a while to get there. It may already be happening. We just haven't seen or heard of it. And there's a few types of weapon systems that you think of mines, and also the possibility of using rocket-propelled uh, 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 torpedoes. In other words, it's called an ASROC. It's an old system from the Cold War where you use a rocket to put up in the air a torpedo that then falls to the ocean some miles downrange. You could use that against these, these submarines. And these submarines give themselves away when they shoot their cruise missiles. So their, their benefit of stealth goes away when they do that. Speaking of rockets, the United States has given Ukraine this HIMARS missile system that they've actually been able to use pretty well here on the battlefield. Can you talk about what that is and how Ukraine is using it? Oh, absolutely. So the, the HIMARS, the, the acronym it's known as HIMARS, is, the, uh, is a mobile rocket system, and it's got a fairly good range. There's uh, also some even extended range. You get several hundred kilometer range on it. So from the front lines right now, they're able to range or to hit targets inside Crimea which is pretty remarkable. And yeah. also, you know, with their drones, they're also able to reach as far as Sebastopol, where the Black Sea Fleet headquarters was. That's been attacked a couple times already. So very important for the Ukrainian effort there, but also important for the United States to continue support in the form of these weapons as well. Brett Sadler with the Heritage Foundation. Really cool stuff. We appreciate it. And uh, we're going to keep an eye on this war, which continues to go on there in Ukraine. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition podcast. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Oh, 
The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts.